0: Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Invest in Her. As you know, we always have on fabulous female founders and funders. And today we have on a very special guest. She actually spoke on the TED Talk stage with me. And she is the founder of Sexy Boss Babe. And they are a social enterprise group that helps kids get out of trafficking, sex trafficking. Very special guest. Please welcome to my show. Arzo Youssef. Hi, Arzo. How are you?
1: Hi, Catherine. I'm great. Thank you so much. Thank you for the great intro. I'm so excited to be here and speak with you today.
0: Well, thanks. Well, I just um, really applaud what you're doing. Um, I think social enterprise is really the the new way to go where businesses are giving back and paying it forward. And I especially love your cause. So I want to talk about that today. Um, First, a little bit about you. Uh, You had shared with me that you were actually born in Afghanistan.
1: I was, yes. So I was uh, born in 1980 in Afghanistan, and it was uh, kind of the middle of the Soviet invasion at the time. And uh, we had to escape My great uncle was the prime minister of Afghanistan at the time and a lot of our family members held positions in parliament. So when a coup happens, the government is like the first to be attacked. So a lot of families were being killed. Uh, So we had to escape and uh, we have an interesting escape story. Um, You know, I laugh about it because I don't remember it. I was an infant, but um, uh, we had my parents, they were on mules and I was just an infant and they put me in a little uh, blanket and they were carrying like the corners of the blanket Between these two mules as they were leaving through this harsh terrain. And from there, we, you know, it was a long journey and we ended up in Pakistan. And then from there, we ended up in Germany, lived there for a couple of years, and then came to America in 1982 as political asylum refugees and started from scratch. We had to leave everything behind.
0: Uh, You really are the, uh, uh, the American dream story. (laughs) Yeah, it
1: really is. It really is. And, you know, I, you know, I talk about my mom sometimes and, you know, she's somebody that's that, that, you know, kind of fits that description of the American dream coming to America, starting with nothing and just building. And I, I appreciate this country a lot for what it has given me and my family for sure.
0: Wow. That's awesome. And obviously, so you had a strong mother that was, kind of ahead of her time, it sounds like.
1: Definitely, definitely. Yeah, very, that's very cool. cool.
0: Well, no wonder then you're doing such great work in the world. Um, I want to talk about first about Sexy Boss Babe. How did that get started? What is it? And uh, what sets it apart so that, you know, people can check out your product at sexybossbabe.com?
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, so I started it a couple of years ago, um, I was at, you know, I, I have a business background, so I was doing business consulting for a long time and I was just a little bit at a crossroads. I wanted to do something kind of in the CPG world. I just wasn't sure what that was going to look like. And this particular product, it, it you know, this is what I ended up coming up with uh, there. You know, it's a throwback from the eighties. If you remember Lee press on nails, uh, but they had just been really outdated. People forgot that it was a beauty product that we could use. And for a woman on the go, and you're always doing an events and you're, in front of people, it's a quick solution. So that's kind of how it happened. I was on my way to an event. I didn't have time to get my nails done. So I went to CVS and grabbed a box and did it and it worked. Uh, But they, you know, they fell off a little early and the styles weren't great. So I thought, you know what, what if I could make something where the quality was better and uh, more updated styles and that lasted. So the glue was a big part of our development. And so I worked on that and we brought it to market about a year after kind of starting it. And we sell in about 70 stores uh, throughout the United States and online, like you said, sexybosswave.com. And for me, the social impact piece was a really big deal. Um, I I love what Tom has done with Tom's shoes. And just like you said earlier, the social impact business model is definitely, that is, it should be the wave of the future when it comes to business. Um, Business shouldn't just be about money. It should be about, hey, let's generate revenue, but let's also see how we can make our society a better place.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think that's so true. Like why even have a business if you're not going to give back and pay it forward and make the world a little better place. So (laughs) um, you and I met through uh, doing our TED Talk uh, just a couple months ago during COVID. Um, And uh, we had a great lineup of women. And I was so fortunate to get to meet all of them and um, uh, put on by Irena Ferguson, who I'm going to be having on the show as well. And um, in, in getting to be a part of that, I got to hear your story about why you tied this into um, helping uh, kids get out of uh, or prevent them from getting into uh, sex trafficking. So let's talk a little bit about that because you're thinking, wow, how could a nail product uh, help kids get out of, um, you know, sex trafficking? Like I, I was so curious as to what the you know, the connection was there. And it was fascinating when you told me, so uh, I wanted to share that with everybody. And then later I wanna talk about how you actually started this business because a lot of women out there have a product idea, but they don't know where to begin. And I think it's always inspiring to hear how people got things manufactured, distributed and so forth. But first uh, let's talk about the social impact. Why sex trafficking? How does that tie into, you know, what you're doing with the nails? Um, it's a great story, so uh, I want you to share that with everybody.
1: Thank you so much for um, uh, for, for that question. It's a great question, and and um, I love sharing because it may, it helps bring it an in, in explanation to, to the why. Because sometimes it's hard for people to really understand. Um, but uh, the the reason for that particular cause for me it was personal because um, prior to starting this, I was helping run a nonprofit called Angel's Nest. I was president of the board for four years and Angel's Nest provided support and resources to former foster youth. And that was my first experience with anybody in foster care. And like I said, I had a business background, so that was my contribution. I was gonna help build this organization, which we did together. And uh, But what I didn't count on was being really um you know, having my eyes really open to their plight and hearing their stories on what they go through. And once I learned that it was kind of like, you can't open your eyes once you see what's going on. And with that, how can we continue to help? Uh, so that was, that was part of it. The other part of it was, well, wait,
0: wait, wait, what about, what does that organization do that you were ended up being the president on their board and like, what exactly do they do?
1: Sure. So, Angels Nest, at the time, they've changed now, but at the time, they provided housing support services for former foster youth. So, we actually owned a house with multiple bedrooms. We had uh, youth that had aged out of foster care, so anywhere from age 18 to 24, they lived in the house. We had a case and, and,
0: there. And back to the uh, trafficking, like what you were sharing with me and and educating me on, was that. Having a place to go when they get out of foster care, like this housing that you're talking about, is what prevents them from going into trafficking. Is that right?
1: It's definitely a aspect of support that is really important, and it can help with prevention. And so that particular organization provided the resources to give them a, a safe place to stay, uh, support resources. A lot of them went to college. A lot of them got jobs. We helped them kind of through that process, and they didn't. Have and to you
0: even did workshops them. with them, right? Yes.
1: yes. Yeah, tell me about that. So basically, for about um, almost a year, twice a month, every Friday for three hours, uh, it, this was part of building the curriculum out. I would go to the house, and for three hours, we'd have all the youth come. Sometimes they'd bring their friends, so we'd have like twenty or thirty kids sometimes, and we'd go over different topics. Sometimes it was about you know banking. Sometimes it was about um, you know relationships and how you know how to have friends, how to have romantic relationships in a, in, a, in a healthy way. These are things that a parent should kind of teach you, but they don't have that. So um, going kind of through that process, I realized, gosh, even these simplest things as, you know, talking about how to create your resume, how to do an interview, um, you know, grooming, no one's talking to them about these things. So just really even simple things, they they need that. And there's, you know, and I had mentioned in the talk as well, that there's 500,000 kids in the American foster care system and I learned this through the process that there's a link to sex trafficking and 80% of sex trafficking victims are kids from foster care. So if we That's can. That's
0: astounding.
1: It, it really is astounding. And, yes. and I love that we had this opportunity to do this interview this month because it is human trafficking awareness month. And so it's, you know, it's a time to kind of let everybody know what's going on and how we can help. And it's a really difficult subject. Um, you know, people a lot of times don't want to know what's going on or don't want to talk about it, but if we can make it so, Hey, Yes, this ugly thing is happening, but here's something that we can do. This is a solution, maybe not the end-all be-all solution, but a really big solution uh, that can create impact. And one of the things that I had mentioned in the TED Talk was if that we had more court-appointed advocates for foster youth, uh, which is basically somebody that volunteers about 15 hours a month to spend with, with an assigned foster youth. Uh, uh, that Just having that relationship can significantly uh, keep them from becoming a victim to sex trafficking.
0: You know, that's one of the things I loved about your Ted talk, Arzo, was it educated me on the staggering numbers. I mean, 80% of foster, I mean, that's, that's astounding. And, and, And also, I love that your TED Talk talked about a solution, because I think often people say, oh, my gosh, this is heartbreaking. But what can I do to help? And that's what I love. Uh, Tell us the name of your TED Talk so people can find it.
1: Sure. So it's called End Sex Trafficking by Helping Foster Youth. Uh, you can look it up on Google. You can also just type my name in Google, Arzo Youssef, and it'll come up um, or, or, or go to my personal website, arzayousef.com. And it's, there's a link for it there, uh, but def- it's 10 minutes. And it's a really good introduction to anyone that has zero exposure, zero knowledge. And it really allows people to understand how it kind of happens. Um, so, you know, again, it kind of back, goes back to your question, you know, how is this linked and how is this linked to the nails and, you know, why? Um, a, a couple of things, one the beauty industry is a very lucrative industry, and uh, nonprofit models—they can a little bit, a little bit, be outdated. You're constantly fundraising, you're constantly looking for sponsorships, and all these things, so it can be really difficult to create a revenue stream. But a business, a for-profit business, if you have a product that people use, like in the beauty industry. It can create a long-term revenue stream, and if you structure the business so that there is always a percentage or a portion that goes to you know various causes, that's a great long-term solution to create funding for essentially a nonprofit that you're partnered with. Uh, or you know, for example, like you've got a foundation, you know what I mean? Uh, that's something that that could be a solution as well. And with the and name,
0: you know, I like that you said you kind of modeled it after that Tom's. Yeah. Uh, 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 model, because a lot of people know about TOMS. I think they were one of the first to do this. I think
1: they were the first. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the nails itself, one thing that I found out through the process early on, which I was kind of like, Oh, this is really interesting. That um, the department of children and family services actually has a line item in their budget for nail services and nail products. And it literally says so that youth do not get this from traffickers. So if we donate, um, and and we do, we donate nails. We also uh, provide workshops. So similar to the workshops that that I used to do at Angel's Nest, those are some things that we do uh, for foster youth and survivors of sex trafficking.
0: So when people purchase your Sexy Boss Babe nails, that, uh, that part of their purchase goes to your donation to the kids' that are foster kids, that it helps keep them out of sex trafficking. Right. Yes. And again, the, I found this fascinating when you told me, often they are lured by things like, hey, we'll do your nails, we'll feed you, what, whatever they you know offer them as a reason to do the sex trafficking. So I think it's wonderful that you're using your product as one more way to stop them from being enticed. And then this organization where they have you know, a place to live and and these uh, mentor shops that you and others put on that teach them, you know, how to balance a checkbook, how to do a job interview. Um, I I think that's amazing. And um, I really applaud the the work that you're doing. And I think TED was a perfect uh, platform to get this message out there. Now, I have entrepreneurs that will listen, not only uh, say, hey, maybe I should be doing a social enterprise like uh, Arzo, I'm sure you're inspiring people as we talk about doing the same. But also, um, I'd like to talk about you had this idea. You asked around to some friends and they're like, yeah, there seems to be a need for that. But then how did you get the manufactured and distribute it? I think that's always the big obstacle that keeps people from creating some sort of product that they think fits a need. So I was impressed with your story on this. Tell me about how you found your manufacturer.
1: Thank you, absolutely. Uh, Thank you for the question. And I actually, before I really go into it, I just wanna say that's actually probably the easiest part of the whole thing. But the hardest part is brand awareness, especially if you're a small startup and if you don't have a big budget because you're doing a lot of just tactile uh, guerrilla marketing on the ground, doing interviews, just trying to get, you know, you know meet people and things like that, and talk about it and hope people connect with it. Um, but uh, as, as, as far as that particular question goes, um, uh, prior to doing this, a few years before, uh, my mom and I, we were thinking about starting a women's shoe line and she's very artistic and uh, you know, had these amazing designs. So we went overseas and literally just vetted a bunch of factories and went through the process. And I learned a lot through that process. And
0: we Wait, did- I have to stop you right there for one second and just say, There are so many people that would find that really daunting. (laughs) I might be one of them. Um, And I love how you're like, oh, that was no big deal. We flew to China and we interviewed manufacturers. Um, So I I love that you... I think that's one of the things that holds us back. Sometimes is our own perception, yes. or or fuels us because we have a perception that oh no big deal. So I, I love that you said that, but um, <laughs> I do I think it's a big deal that you all went over and did that, and mm-hmm. and so you found a manufacturer in China that you felt was um, legitimate because obviously that's yes. a whole other right. uh, interview about how that can be challenging, sure. right?
1: Sure. Yes, and, and so that first trip, that you know, it was it was trying to come up with 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 someone that, that could manufacture the shoes, and that was such a, such a process. One of the most interesting learning experiences ever for us, um, and and we were successful in getting some prototypes, but we ended up moving away from that. So then, fast forward a few years later, when I'm here at this crossroads looking to do this, um, I had already experienced that. So I kind of knew, okay, I know where to go, I know you know who to reach out to. So I reached out to some people that I had talked to previously, uh, set up some meetings, and flew out there. And. Unfortunately, it was not the way that I thought it was going to be. And I thought, what am I going to do? I came all the way out here. And so just kind of through sheer determination, uh, uh, got introduced to other people and just kept going until I found, uh, other manufacturers that I felt comfortable with that had a quality product. And then, you know, you and I had talked about this over the phone because there's a social impact aspect of, uh, uh protecting people from sex trafficking, trafficking is an issue and that's part of my brand. So unfortunately, it's true that there are a lot of factories overseas that there's labor violation and and, and human trafficking in regards to that. So to be very careful to make sure that I found a very reputable factory that was not engaged in those types of things. And so our factory is very, very reputable. I mean, they, they do manufacturing for Disney, for, you know, H&M, for other types of companies, very high compliance standards. Uh, So.
0: I I love that. And um, you, uh, like many women, many entrepreneurs, men or women, um, I I think it's a, it's a must when you're an entrepreneur is you can't just stop at the first wall. You have to keep going around it, over it, under it, whatever it takes, because you know, eventually there is a solution and that's great that you found it. So these um, have been manufactured. You have the manufacturer, you are distributing them in some stores. Can we mention any of the stores?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So locally, uh, Planet Beauty carries them. That was kind of like a a really big deal for us. Uh, They've got 40 stores in California. So we're we're carrying a little bit uh, over 10 stores uh, throughout California, beauty collection here in Los Angeles. They've got uh, great locations, West Hollywood, uh, Malibu and some other locations. And then a lot of the independent beauty supply stores. were also in um, uh, Nigel's, which is really big in the, in the you know, Burbank studio industry. So they're, they're one of our best clients. Um, and it's been great because part of the, the challenge is, can I get it into a store? And then once you get it, are they gonna reorder? And they've been consistently reordering, so it tells us that customers are happy with it. They like us, and then our customers, which are the retail stores uh, for for that you know segment, they're they're happy with this too.
0: And um, you personally me. just call up those stores and say, "Hey, we have this product. We think it's a good fit." Is that is that your model?
1: So um, what's so funny is that when I first started doing this, I thought, "How am I going to do this?" I thought, you know, I've got a thousand followers on Instagram, and I'm going to get a thousand sales when I turn my e-commerce store on that's not true and that's not how it happens. And quickly I realized, what am I gonna do? (laughs) So you have to pivot and so I thought, you know what? I know how to sell and I know how to do wholesale. And I'm going to just focus on that until we really build out our e-commerce store. And so phone would be, you know, yes, that is one way to kind of cold call. But I literally just made a territory map. And I would just go and figure out where all the stores are. And I'd walk in, figure out who the owner was or call beforehand, figure out who the owner was and sell to them. And I didn't tell them that I was the owner of this brand. I wanted it to look like I was a bigger company. So on my card, it says I'm like the sales director.
0: <laughs> I love I love that. that hey, way. this is good advice for someone starting out. Yeah, you know, you do have to look bigger than you are. Right. I like that. That's a wonderful story. I appreciate the honest uh, share.
1: Thank
0: you. Thank um, Well, uh, I think what you're doing is fantastic. Uh, I hope people catch your TED Talk and visit Sexy Boss Babe so that they can buy them for themselves, their daughters, their sisters, their friends, uh, because they'll know that they're giving back and helping pay it forward. Um, I also hope that they get involved, those that feel it speaks to them, to help the foster youth so it prevents them from getting into sex trafficking. What a wonderful focus that is and really appreciate the great work you're doing to make the world a better place. Thank so, you
1: so much, uh, Catherine. I appreciate it. And same with your talk. I loved your talk. And I love that you're bringing attention on bringing investment dollars to women on businesses like like mine. Um, it's, it's it's such a necessary conversation. And you are at the at the forefront of having that conversation. So I appreciate it on behalf of all of us small business owners. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks, Arzo. Well, please visit Arzo's website and um, just remember to make it a great week, invest in her. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thank you, Arzo.
1: Thank you so much.
0: music was created and produced by Lindsay Tomasik.